What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Chump Talks. This is episode 214. I am Brady, as always, with Poolsy. What's going on? Um, back to work today. Uh, recording on Monday here. and uh, Kind of sounded like you farted there, by the way, but just for the listeners, you moved your chair. Yeah, I moved my chair. Did it actually? Yeah, yeah I did. And wow. These things what I heard, sound well. So I can only imagine what the, uh, what the listeners are thinking right now. They probably just turned it off. Yeah, well, well, no. I mean, no. Not, not when you see what we got going on in today's episode. Yeah, some salary cap talk, some trade deadline talk. We have that yeah. uh, with Earl Schwartz coming up as a short interview. But we, if you, uh, you're gonna have to get your thinking cap on to listen. There's a lot of uh, a lot of numbers being thrown out there, but he does a really good job explaining it for people that are dumb like Very us. Very good job, yeah. Yeah. So there's a uh, basically conclusion of the Leafs and we'll talk about it more after, but I don't think much is happening for the Leafs and that, and it's good. No, but, but like for people like, uh, or like even me, like I was like, I thought Mark Andre Fleury, for example, could be a possible or just someone with a higher salary. Yeah. But yeah, Earl definitely uh, explains in what, what you can expect out of teams on, uh, I guess the trade deadline day, which is quickly approaching in the next, I think March yep. 21st is the deadline. So mm-hmm. there'll be lots of moves. And I mean, it's it's kind of a weird year because the East is pretty much set other than seeds. Like the top yeah. eight teams, like the ninth place team is like 10 plus points out of the playoffs, I think. Yeah. So yeah, nobody's, nobody's really... It, it makes it interesting because really any of those eight teams could like really, you know, have... What's the word I'm looking for? The audacity to go out there and trade a first round pick because, you know, wow. you know you're going to be in the playoffs. Uh-huh. So I think that could make it really interesting. It could mean like any of those mm-hmm. eight teams in the East could make a splash and really go for it because it, yeah. it is a pretty uh, level playing field for those top eight. So good word, by the way, audacity. I don't know if it was right for that, but <laughs> I, th- I think it was right. <laughs> it might like have you've been. had the audacity to do that. How do you have the, yeah. Yeah. But right. you know, you don't trade your first round pick every year, but I could see any of those. The Leafs teams. do. <laughs> yeah. The Leafs do. But I mean, yeah. any of those eight teams in the playoffs right in the East uh, mm-hmm. would have the rationale to trade first round pick so it makes yeah. it really interesting and we'll get to that interview shortly but uh, i do want to talk about the weekend i had i got to see those leafs we were just talking about in action i was in the six um oh i brought you i, I got you a gift by the way you did yeah and I'll, really? I'll show it i'll show it to you after but i did get you a gift no um I, I was in the six on uh on saturday night Jilzy surprised me for my for my birthday. Very very nice of her. Love surprises. Uh, went, went down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> touchy subject. Touchy, <laughs> touchy subject. Um, yeah, I don't like. I hate surprises. I hate them. I hate them. I tell her, but I know she loves doing it. And I gotta have a better attitude about the surprise. But I just get so antsy. I just want to know what's going on. I I don't know what the deal is with me. I'm a I'm a messed up human being. I know that, but. um anyways so we went we went to toronto saturday Uh, i had a hotel for the night got down there we actually uh toronto was so insane saturday night with the amount of people there it was it was the second game like not just the arena just toronto in general was so packed we wanted to get there a little like we wanted to get there early enough because we thought there's going to be a ceremony for wayne simmons because it was a a thousandth Mm. game but he uh I guess they do it the game after. So they didn't do the ceremony. Oh, so, really? So I guess the ceremony will be happening their next home game where he gets like the silver stick and stuff. Oh, which oh, is that's disappointing. Disappointing because I was like, when I found out we were going, I'm like, oh yeah, Simmer's 1000th yeah. game. So I was, I was, and you're in your lock too of Simmons getting a goal. 
Yeah. Thank goodness Betway didn't have that as an option because I would have lost <laughs> yeah. money, but, but I, I don't regret having that take. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we go, we go down to the game and we had about an hour and a half before the game. So we had a drink in the hotel and then we, we were going to go, we just wanted a we just wanted a drink and like an appetizer before the game somewhere. So everywhere, everywhere was packed. There was a Jack Astors that has a main floor packed, a basement packed. And then the only way, so we get up there in line, they're like 35 minute wait, unless you want to sit on our outdoor heated patio. We're like, all right, well, it seems like that's our only option. So we sat outside and it was cold Saturday night. It wasn't, oh, so it wasn't that wasn't by choice. Well, it, it was like, we, yeah. we could have found somewhere well, else. Well, time maybe. crunch though, you know, you, you yeah, but yeah, no. So it was, uh, that was the, uh, we would have missed the start of the game if we waited the 35 minutes. So yeah. we sat down and like the waitress came over and set her menu down. We're just like, we're ordering right now. Don't leave. Don't leave. So we got, huh. I got a beer and Jilzy got some blue raspberry, whatever girly thing she was feeling that at that point, whatever it was. And we got nachos and, and ate it just freezing. Like it was like, there was some really? heaters, like, you know, the arena <laughs> heaters that kind of come down on you, you feel yeah. a little bit. But for the, like, I was drinking my beer with my like sweater pulled over. So the cup was, wasn't so cold on my hands. Really? Yeah. Funny experience, but we walked down there, go to the game. Um, really good seats too. We were like 30 rows up. Yeah. Was, they looked awesome. It, it was amazing. And seeing those guys, like we just caught the end of warm up. I just, I'm such a little kid when it comes to that still, like I could sit there and watch the whole warm up because they're just so skilled. And I like to see the routines they do. Like I, I like to see all that shit. I love it. Um, that's the little kid of me that I hope never goes away. And I, I no. don't, I don't know if it will, but, um, and I, on a side note, I saw a couple like father, son, like dads taking their kids to the game, like, like 10 year olds or seven year olds. And I, that just like seeing that makes me want to do that so badly someday. Take a little, <laughs> oh, take, absolutely. take a little kid, boy or girl. I would, I would definitely take yeah. a girl to the game too. Chump talk dads with the kids. Chump talk dads with the kids business trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so, so seeing that stuff made makes me so excited for the possibility of that someday. Um, but the game itself, Leafs way better team, way way better team that game. I think they're just they are a better team than the Canucks. I don't the Canucks didn't look that good. I think it was almost like an off game for them, and they got five goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Campbell supporter big time, and I do think he is the answer. He was bad though, like. Yeah, and he's been bad for a while, but had, I, I still absolutely believe in that. Yeah, I believe in too. Yeah. I have no issues. It sucked that it happened to be the game that I was at, but two of the goals just like they were tips, but it, he had the positioning. They just found a way to squeak through him. Like when you're in a rough patch, things just find a way to squeak through, and that's what some of those goals were like. Um, it was awesome to see Tavares get the first one, and then Matthews mm-hmm. get two. It was it was awesome. Yeah, that'd be sweet to see Matthews score. Yeah, and and they like they pulled their goalie with like two and a bit minutes left. And for like a minute 45 straight of that, it was complete onslaught, like peppering Demko, good chances too. I don't know if you're watching at that point, but like good, good chances. Mm-hmm. And they just couldn't buy one and then come down and they, they got one on an empty netter with like 15 seconds left, I think. So it was tough, but um, really, really fun to, to see them in action. I, it made me realize how much I missed live sports like being packed in there, it's been like forever, stand, man. standing up when the Leafs score and high five and people around me, like complete strangers. I didn't know. And like, mm-hmm. they, they didn't check anything at the door to make sure we were vaxxed or anything. It was just, it was so cool. Just be out in the world like that. And, and just, yeah, have no, no issues. 
Anyone on the Leafs uh, you thought just looked quite a bit better than when you watched them on TV? Anyone that just kind of stuck out to you a bit that you wouldn't normally notice as yeah. much? Yeah, one, and it's and it's maybe surprising, but Travis Dermott. Really? Yeah, I just thought he like kind of away from the puck and and even just like little moves with the puck that he does. Like Dermott will always still kind of have those bad giveaways, but I just think there's like there's some legitimately up uh, up offensive upside. Ooh, that was a tough one to yeah. get out. Hey. Um, I think there is that offense that's kind of like uncracked with Dermot. Yeah. I, so that, that would be one for sure. And then there's like, I mean, Matthews looks even better in person than like, yeah. he looks like a complete. Like you see, league. like just at really, like I was going to say, like, yeah. com- like without a doubt, the best player on the ice. Yes. Yeah. It looked like that, that game. And he was playing, it, it was a good game for him as well. Yeah, but just when they were controlling it and Lilligren, I thought Lilligren, another one that was pretty good. They had guys getting more ice that game too than they're used to. Yeah, what about uh, Robertson? Like he's kind of intriguing because he kind of got some top six minutes that game. He did, and he got his first goal. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but he he is a guy that has. It looks like he has so much confidence out there. Like he was demanding the puck. Like he'd Mm. be Tavares would have it, and he'd be like slapping a stick. Like he wants it. Like he's he's not timid that way. So I think, and you're seeing his brothers. You're seeing what his brother's doing in Dallas too. Yeah. And Robert, I'm pretty sure Nick Robertson had way better junior numbers than his brother. I don't know that for sure. And his brother's older, but I I'd be very confident to say Nick Robertson has better junior numbers because he yeah. lit up the OHL. Yeah, he did light it up. Every we had guys from the OHL on while they were playing against Robertson. Every yeah. person that we on, we asked about like, you know, kind of like the toughest player to play against, the best shot or whatever. Yeah. Everyone said Nick Robertson. Oh yeah, he's. I think he's. I think he still is going to be a force. I don't know if it's going to be this year or when. And I don't know if it's going to be at the Leafs because you hear his name thrown around a lot too. But I hope it is with the Leafs, and I think he will be a force in the NHL for sure. Um, I like putting him with Tavares and Nylander. It kind of got them going five on five. Uh, I guess Tavares's goal was on the power play, I think, but. Nylander and Robertson had that five on five goal. And that's what you're hearing a lot from the Nylander and Tavares line is that they're not really getting it going five on five. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was cool to see that with, with Robertson, but um, as far as non-sports stuff go, did you had a, you had a good weekend or what? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Friday, obviously we, we had a bit of a night there. We, uh, you know, played a bit of chill and hung out and yeah. Saturday was cool too. And went out to Lake Erie with the lady and, you know, explored some water and some nature and got the feet a little wet, but broke through some ice. <laughs> what a quote that is. <laughs> explored the water and some nature and got the feet a little wet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a good weekend though. And Sunday, Sunday might've been my favorite day just due to the weather. If that wasn't like spring vibes, I don't know what is. That oh, was yeah. like, it felt like it was 15 degrees outside. Dude, I woke up in Toronto and we we went for brunch with Jill's cousin and her boyfriend who live in Toronto. Oh, really? Uh, we went to their house for brunch and and people were just the streets were packed and people were in shorts, t-shirt. People were going out for jogs. Uh, not that that is that cool, but people were doing that. And there was uh, yeah, it was just it, it was very spring vibey. But we have this coming weekend, we have our last kind of winter thing. So yeah. I still like the, the warm days. We need, we, some, so, we need some cold days this week. Yeah. We're going, we're going to my parents' cottage with our two brothers, which we haven't done a, we haven't done a brother's trip since probably Boston in 2018. Yeah. When we actually went away and did some. Yeah. Yeah. I would, 
actually for sure we haven't done anything since then. no we haven't been able to cross the border since then really so we haven't yeah. been to but even in canada we have yeah, even in canada no. we haven't so no so that is i'm super excited for that but my parents cottage is a boat access only cottage which means you either getting there by boat in the summer or you're getting there by snowmobile in the winter so we can't have this week be too too warm or else we might be in trouble for that but there's a lot of ice up there so i, I don't think we'll have i don't think we'll have any issues with the uh with the great white north but um yeah that's this weekend and we should we should do some kind of some kind of content up there with the brothers like not a yeah. not a pod but we'll figure something out for for jump i think we have to yeah oh definitely it's time to do it yeah we did it earlier on quite i think a couple times actually we had yeah. Ian connor on maybe once or twice early on but yeah maybe we maybe big supporters we of the specific. pod they, they're always scooping up the merch and buying stuff yeah so. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But uh, maybe we do something like how the night was chump was created. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, TBT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll try maybe a little more about that after the interview, but I think it's a good time now to send it to Mr. Earl Schwartz. Okay. Today on Chump Talk, we have reoccurring guest Earl Schwartz joining us. We always get him at these points in the year when we, uh, basically when we have salary cap questions, when we have questions that we are too dumb to answer, we bring on Earl Schwartz and we talk Leafs and we talk NHL and we talk big fish in the trade deadline market. So we now have Earl Schwartz join us. Thanks again. How are you? Good. 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 Thanks again for, for coming on today. Uh, I think it was right around obviously this time last year when we had you on or whenever that trade deadline was with that COVID season. But uh, just talk about, first of all, what the, the last year has been like for you because uh, we started following you on Twitter that time. And I just see your name more and more often on Twitter just with like bigger name guys like kind of shouting you out. Like I see Steve Dangle doing it all the time and, and just guys like that. So just talk about uh, over the last year how uh, your role has kind of developed and just kind of where you're at now. I think first and foremost, the the flat cap has kind of forced people to be more interested in this type of stuff. So <laughs> that's, that's working yeah. <laughs> for me. Um, and Steve's a great guy. I met him a long time ago at a Marley's game and I, we didn't know each other then, but uh, um, our kind of interests have aligned and he's got his podcast network going now. And so he's got lots of, lots of questions and lots to talk about with the cap and everything. And so I kind of get some secondary interest from that. And so it works out well for me, but uh, yeah, in terms of the bigger names and stuff, I just, I think uh, I try and tackle more important things every, every month or every week and, and just get into something that's a little more central to the, to a team's ability to kind of build a roster. So as you kind of get closer to, you know, you circle the drain and you get closer and closer to the important stuff, that's kind of, I think, why people have been more interested lately. Mm -hmm. And the the one thing that you talk about a lot and that for me personally and Poolsy too, and I know a lot of people, the LTIR stands for long-term long-term injured reserve. That is a way that teams have kind of finagled around the cap and it's been a way that, uh, you can put a guy on this and then you have salary cap room to sign somebody else. So we're going to start there because Vegas is a team that has been talked about in this sense more than any team. Obviously it started when they made the trade for Jack Eichel, who is obviously making a good chunk of money and, and they had people on the reserve then, but now they have people ready to come off and there's going to be something at the deadline that happens. So can you give us a quick explanation on the LTIR situation in Vegas? 
Yeah, I'll quickly say that, that the LTIR situation there didn't start with the Eichel trade. They actually had okay. Alex Tuck on LTIR to start the season. Oh, okay. And they didn't have a path to activating him without making a trade. So that's kind of a rare occurrence. Like it happened obviously just past year with, with Tampa, but they had a player who was injured right from start to end, wire to wire, and they knew that at the, from the get-go. So mm-hmm. entering a season with a player you can't activate from LTIR is, is relatively unprecedented. Um, so that's where it begins. And so Tuck was obviously involved in the, the Eichel trade. He went to Buffalo, mm-hmm. but that didn't solve their problem. They're still about $5 million over being able to activate both Eichel and I think Stone's on, or is it Pacioretty on LTR now? Stone. Stone. Yeah, Stone, yeah. <clears throat> so that's the biggest difference between Tampa last year. I, I wrote a little thread explaining Tampa's situation last year and, and basically said, like, this is the way the CBA is written. Teams are going to take advantage of it. You don't have to like it, but yeah. it's legal, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, I think there's one key difference between Tampa last year and Vegas this year that kind of irks me but again it's within the rules what can you do right so the difference is that they don't have a clear path to activating it just as what they did at the beginning of the season with tuck now they don't have a clear path to activating eichel and so they were helped along by the stone injury the timing uh, was good for them that they were able to just simply swap the two players on ltar uh, the difference now becomes either stone has to stay out till the till the playoffs or they have to make another trade now I think if they have to make another trade, if they're forced to, one of the guys that I would look at is Evgeny Dadanov. He makes $5 million. They traded for him earlier this season. They actually gave up assets to get him from from Ottawa. So it's not like he's just, uh, no. you know, just a not, not a valuable player, but they might actually have to give up assets to get rid of him. So all the people who are a little bit... Um, perturbed right now about the the idea of them doing going the Tampa route and kind of like working their way around the rules in some people's opinions um if they're forced to make a trade then that's kind of a moot point so you know there's still the possibility of that I wouldn't get too worked up just yet you know but um in the in the other scenario where where Stone remains on LTR the NHL can uh, do an investigation to say, are you abusing the LTIR, LTIR system to keep the, to keep a player out longer than he really needs to be? And right, like he actually, might not he might not actually be as hurt as they're letting on. Yeah. So actually, last year there, the NHL did hold several investigations, uh, definitely with with uh, Kucherov. Yeah, I believe last year with Weber as well. Okay. And so they, they did their due diligence. They went in and, and checked. That's what the CBA allows them to do. And they found no wrongdoing. So they're really like, you can't get worked up if they go in and they check and there's yeah. nothing bad going on there. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a bit of an overblown topic, but at the same time, it does matter a lot. Like even looking at Vegas, their playoff spot isn't secure right now. No. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that they might have to trade Dadanov in order to activate somebody else that actually kind of hurts them. Like it's not as if they're, they're a, a lock for the playoffs as it seemed at the beginning of the season and they don't have to worry about having guys healthy. No, like it, it matters now. Mm-hmm. So the only way we see Stone and Eichel in the same lineup during the regular season is whether they make a trade or someone else who has a bigger salary, like the five plus million goes on LTIR as well. Yeah. And you saw that last year with, with the Leafs actually with, with Freddie Anderson. So he, he was, able to return right at the end of the season because Hyman actually went out and they had just enough um, 
between Hyman and Riley Nash to actually activate Frederick Anderson. And so he got right. into a couple of games, right? But um, that situation has happened before. Uh, and I wouldn't rule it out with Vegas that they still have to make a move. But again, if, if Stone is out till the, till the playoffs, they'll check on that. And if he's out, he's out. There's really nothing to do about it. And that's their roster then. Mm-hmm. So what are your personal thoughts on it? Because obviously you need to have the LTIR because guys do get hurt and they are out long term. But in instances like this, I don't know, it's just you, you hear mixed opinions about it. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of tough. Like, like, let's yeah. look at a team like Arizona. Let's say Arizona was a real good team and they're having these problems. But obviously they're, they're not a bigger market. Like they wouldn't be able to afford to pay someone $8 million on the LTIR and also have like, a full cap basically so i don't know it's just it's kind of mixed opinions because like the whole tamp thing last year that was i don't know really what i feel about it like i know obviously kucherov was hurt but for just to be able to, oh it's the start of playoffs he's healthy let's go it just kind of like and then he was excellent in playoffs too yeah and that's the thing like he was one of the best like he's one of the best players in the league just in general you had a guy like that in the playoffs and i don't know like let's say he was cleared by a doctor to play healthy and like there was the last game of the season i like i don't know like it's it just kind of weird because I, I do feel like teams kind of do take advantage of it. And obviously the NHL do, does have to look into it, but just what are your personal thoughts on that? System? Yeah, I definitely get that it leaves a bad taste um, just because it feels like all of the teams are playing by one set of rules and, and this team doesn't follow that rules. I get that from, from a thousand foot perspective, but when you really dig into it and, and look at it, every team does have the opportunity to do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's happening more and more frequently, partially because Tampa did it and they were so successful with it. But also, like I said, partially because of the flat cap is just forcing teams into this position. Um, if you gave teams the option of, of carrying a player on LTIR all season or, or not, they would choose not. It's simply easier to work with the cap. But when your options are constrained and it comes down to it, oftentimes, yeah, putting a player on LTIR for a long period of time is the best option. Now, when you say... Um, what if a doctor cleared Kucherov with one game remaining in the season? That's a very real possibility. Like that, that can't be overstated Mm. Um, that, that, Oh, you know, they would just kind of wipe that under the rug. No, like that would be a big deal. They would be forced to move $9.5 million in cap space to, to create an opening for them. Right. And so that's, I think why the NHL went in and did their investigation. I believe they did it actually before the trade deadline. And I spoke with an NHL executive around that time and he said that for any any um, any potential for a player to go on LTR, you had to last year you had to present the whole plan to the to the NHL, basically oh. saying, "This is what we're going to do to put the player on LTR, and this is what we're going to do to activate them, or we're not going to activate them." And I won't say like you know <laughs> who I was talking to, but yeah. it it NHL executives had to go in in front of the league and essentially say, this is our plan. So I don't know if that, I tried to confirm if that's still in place this year. I haven't been able to. And so it's possible that Vegas didn't have to present such a plan. Right. But again, that gets back to the issue of it's, it's kind of unprecedented for a team not to have an exit strategy of for LTIR for a team to just kind of leave the, the lead kind of hanging. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think this year with Vegas is kind of a, an even more uncomfortable situation than, than last year with Tampa. And again, like we might see it resolved. It might be no big deal. They might trade to Adonov at a loss and people will be happy mm-hmm. with that. But mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to say before we get to that point. 
good call not uh giving up your sources you got to keep those <laughs> yeah keep yeah those <laughs> um moving on to our our beloved leafs um there's been a lot of chatter as there always is this time of the year at the Leafs. What are they going to do? Who do they need to move to get this player? Uh, recently, the goalie uh, situation has came up because Campbell and Mrazek both been struggling. I, I don't know how I feel about all that, but tell me what is most likely for the Leafs to do. How much cap space do the Leafs have and, and who is likely to move if they are going to sign somebody like a Marc-Andre Fleury? And do you think that's even possible? Let's start with that. Marc-Andre Fleury, is that possible? I mean... If you're creative enough, a lot of stuff is possible. Yeah. But realistic, no, not okay. even close. Okay, good. Um, I'm not going to get my hopes up then. Yeah, and I, I won't claim to be a goalie expert. Goalies are voodoo, but uh, I really don't think – I think the solution's in the room already for the yep. Like mm-hmm. You've seen not so much Mrazek, but Campbell, Campbell, you've seen him play as good as any goalie plays. Yep. And Mrazek, from his time in Carolina – he was well known to, to be a streaky guy, like a hot and cold guy. And when he was hot, mm. he was really good. Yep. And I don't think we've seen that yet from him. So again, I think the solutions in the room, not a goalie expert. I'll leave it at that. No. Uh, so for what I think is most likely, well, let's look at it this way. What's most likely based on what Dubas has been saying is that they just trade for one defenseman. And if that's the case, <sighs> Luke Shen, tell me Luke Shen. <laughs> I could see it for sure because I don't think that they want to subtract from their roster. Like I really yeah. don't. And if you look at the cap situation that they're in, they really can't afford to add any money. So Luke Shen for eight hundred fifty thousand. What you can do there is you can simply send down Liljegren. You trade for Luke Shen. Oh yeah, and then you actually clear some cap space because he's 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 cheaper. Yeah, I'm I trying to remember that what their slide salaries I, are now. I think, but anyways, Lilgren's nine fifty, isn't he? I think. No, no, he would have signed for nine twenty five, but he slid twice, so it'll be eight sixty three now. Eight sixty three, three three three. Oh, okay. but uh, it's marginal anyhow. But right. um, if you go by what Dubis is saying, that like kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, you you add a depth defenseman, kind of like Bogosian a year ago. He fits into what you need well. Yeah, he help. He addresses your your most pressing issue at the moment, which apparently is defense. Again, judging by what what Dubis is saying, mm-hmm. and he said they kind of only want to make one move, and so that would be it. If 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 we're just talking about what Dubis is saying, but if you look at what he's doing, yeah. you look at the actions. Uh, it looks like he's saving up more cap room than what Luke Chen would cost. No, actually, the opposite. They the oh, Leafs really? had. Uh, I think 12 days ago, the Leafs had accrued close to $100,000. And basically, I'm not going to explain all of accrued cap space, but it's an average over the entire of the season. So $100,000 at the trade deadline. It's a 200, this season is 200 days long. And after the trade deadline, there'll be 40 days remaining. So that's one fifth. And so you take that (laughs) $100,000, it's worth five times as much. So you can add $500,000, which still isn't enough for a single player. But if they continued accruing, they were on pace for 1.1 million. And instead what they did was they recalled Kyle Clifford. They recalled Nick Robertson. And now they've recalled Mac Hollowell. And so they've got a full 23 man roster, even on off days when they could just send them back down. Right. And in that, in that span, Kyle Clifford, he, his waiver exemption expired because he spent 30 days on the NHL roster. So now in order to send him and his $1 million cap hit back down, you have to make, make sure he clears waivers. And I think that Clifford is a player that Dubas really likes and he's a yeah. playoff type player. And so I think he's, a, he's a, 
insurance, like he's somebody you want to keep around. Yeah. But at the same time, if all he is is insurance, what you could have done was sent him back down, kept his waiver exemption, and not have to have to spend a million dollars from your roster. Now it's still possible that we see Clifford be waived. But again, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you yeah. just yeah. send him down before he's waiver? I hope not. I like Clifford. Yeah, I do too. And yeah. I think like they literally gave up nothing to get him. Uh-huh. Good asset. So then when you look at this scenario, in the past 12 days, the Leafs had a decision to make, really, with Muzzin on LTIR. They could decide to try and accrue as much cap space as possible and end up with $1.1 million, or they could not. Yeah. <laughs> and they and chose they not to, obviously. But had they chose to accrue, they could add Luke Shen and keep everybody else on the roster or they could add another player and keep everybody else on the mm-hmm. roster or they could add you know have somebody at 50 percent retain and add two players so they really had a lot more options at that point and so now what they've done is they've closed off their options they've, they've said this is the roster that we have with robertson and clifford and and i mean obviously hollowell's not going to stay up for long but yeah these are the guys that we're going with and we're going to try and fit in around the edges so to me, the difference is, again, why wouldn't you leave those players down and use a crude cap space, which is, a fin- I'm not going to say essentially free money, but mm-hmm. in, in this context, you've already saved it. Right. So it's like having cash in hand. Why wouldn't you just go spend that cash instead of paying for it with your credit card and then paying off your credit card, which is mm-hmm. kind of what he's doing with LTAR, right? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Good um, and so the implication there is that Either he's really not going to make a big deadline addition, like we said, maybe Luke mm-hmm. Shen, you just fit him in with the cap space you currently have, or he's going to have to pay a higher price for for retained salary. On, and the on, max you can retain is 50, right? In a single transaction, the most you can retain is 50%. Yeah. So You only see, know that from be a GM mode, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you knew that from anything else. <laughs> no, no, obviously that's where I know it. But something that I want to ask, like, yeah. Obviously, like just kind of based off of what you said there, like it doesn't really sound like the Leafs might not be training anyone on the roster, but like names like Dermot and Kerfit are kind of names that would be like get kind of get dropped a lot on whether they or may not be traded. Would you be surprised if any of those two guys or even anyone else on their main roster was traded? I'd be surprised if Kerfoot got traded. Uh, yeah, I would, I, really I would too. I, I like the way Kerfoot fits into the system, but even like a guy like Dermot, because he's kind of like on the ins and outs the odd time. Yeah, Dermot or Hole, I would not be surprised at all to see them. Uh, more so Hole than Dermot, because I know Dubas really likes Hole, and he's a right side option, and he's yeah. something. He's a big body that you don't have a ton of, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them move just because of that reason for the cap right. space. Like if you're if you're talking about adding a $3 million defense well, you can get them at half retained and just send Dermot back and it's equal money. Right. So doesn't Kerfoot, right. doesn't Kerfoot help you more for the cap space still? He's at a higher salary. Yeah. I guess I would, what I would say to that is, is um, opportunity costs, right? Like you're giving How up do you a replace really good asset too. Right. So if you're trying to improve your roster and the player that you're getting in return for Kerfoot is only 15% better than him, well then maybe you'd be better off, just keeping him and and taking a really small salary player who's another marginal upgrade. Like yeah. I like Alexander Barabanov a lot. He makes a million dollars. You could you could bring him upgrade back. on Kerfoot or you could keep Kerfoot and add Barabanov. So which yeah. would you rather have, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Are there any names that we might not have said? Like, obviously, we've talked about Luke Shen, but just any other names that you think could be guys on the move for a decent value that may work into the Toronto system and be potentially affordable with the cap space? And say it in a way that if you happen to be right about it, we can clip it. And yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been looking at forward options a lot. I've mentioned Bear Banov. Uh, just, I thought they, I thought the Leafs really liked Sandin and, and Liljegren. And because they're waiver exempt, you can kind of move them back and forth. And I thought that was kind of their plan. They would, they would get six or seven D that they like on the roster and then have Sandin and Liljegren in reserve, or maybe Sandin's one of those six or seven D and then they were going to try and target a winger. But obviously with Muzzin going down, that kind of changes the plans. So when I was looking at wingers, um, I was looking at like $2 million in cap space or less. And two players that came up were Vlad Nemestikov from Detroit and uh, Matthias Yen or Callie Yarncroft from, from Ooh, Seattle. Seattle. I like that. I like that guy. Yeah, he was really good on Nashville, and I think playing with good players, he can he can do a lot with the puck. And I think it's the same about Bear Banov, which I think yeah. is why I like him so much. But um, on defense, you kind of get the slim pickings with the Cavs space because so many of these guys are veteran players, but these veteran guys are on their big contracts, right? Yeah. So. I know. You know, like I would love to have a Giordano, but it's just not happening at the at the cap pit. I think he's making six point five million, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, I, one other thing I wanted to, to talk, ask you about. I seen it on your tweet. It was just a couple days ago. It was recent. It's a defenseman. He was drafted in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. I think he's Swedish, but playing in Finland right now. He's twenty three. I can't remember the. Oh, name. Jacob Stankvist. Yeah, talk about like, is there any like credential to that, or is that just kind of something that like you personally think, or or the Leafs actually uh, think a guy like that? Because he like statistically, he definitely looks like he could be a very uh, productive option for the Leafs, and he's a big boy too. Yeah, that's something I just personally think. Um, he he was a 2017, I believe, sixth round pick of the Dallas Stars. And the Dallas Stars had a really good uh, draft class that year. Actually, Curtis Douglas, you know the sixty six foot yeah. eight Marlies yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He was he was drafted the same year by Dallas, and Honka? I believe Frederick Karlstrom, another pretty decent yeah. Swedish player. Actually, I think um, Stangfist is Finnish, and he was playing in Sweden. But anyways, oh, he did he, he in both the Finnish Liga and Swedish SHL. Almost no defensemen produce at the same rate as him. And when you look at the defensemen who do, they're like five foot nine or five foot ten. And he's six two. He's a right-handed shot. You know, he's a smooth skater. Like he just has it all in like he won't blow you off the off the page or anything, but he just has everything that you look for in, in an older prospect. Like, how can he take this skill to the NHL? Right? Is is mm-hmm. what you kind of think about when they get to 23, 24. And he's just done it at every level. Like I was so enamored with him in the, at the SHL. And then he signed a KHL contract and I was disappointed because that means he's not coming to North America. Right. But uh, he signed with Severstal and I looked at Severstal's blue line and they had just lost two of their top defenders. And I was like, okay, so he's their number one guy. Right. And he stepped into that role right away and just, kind of picked it up and ran with it. And that's, that's the second best league in the world. Right. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I feel pretty strongly about guys who can, who can not only play well in the KHL, but transition there very quickly and pick up right away. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. a huge indicator that, that these guys are just skilled players. It's not about the system that they play in or the players that they play with. And, and 
there might be a valuable asset there. And I keep a database of every single player to sign a free agent, free agent contract out of the top six European leagues. Oh, wow. And Stankfist is right up there with the best of them in all three leagues he played in. So interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. So. I was searching him up after that. I was like, man, I would absolutely love if the Leafs got that guy. <laughs> I think the closest comparable I had was Johannes Kinval, who signed with Calgary two years ago, and he hasn't played much. But just guys like that, it's it's first of all so uncommon to see them produce so well at a young age, and then second of all, it's really uncommon to see them do it year after year because they get snapped up. Really, like mm-hmm. they get signed by NHL teams. I think it was two years ago. I looked at the top fifteen scoring SHL defensemen under the age of twenty-seven. And 10 of the 15 were either currently signed to NHL clubs or drafted to NHL clubs. So the SHL is a tough league as well. And if you're a young defenseman playing well over there, it's a really good sign. For sure. Uh, We'll we'll end with this. Uh, Claude Giroux is easily the biggest um, chip on the the trade deadline table. And it's not often you see like a, a, true superstar on that either like it, it doesn't happen that often it sounds like it's almost for sure he will get traded it sounds like he's also going to play as a, a thousandth game in philly and then get traded which is awesome i find that you awesome. said a thousandth pretty good there i think you just said it wrong or did i no no you said it right i know i was impressed yeah. we used to always get that word wrong <laughs> yeah I, I nailed it i nailed it um give me like the top three teams that are most suitable with their cap to be able to go after drew well, it's like tough. Col- like, Colorado has been linked the most. Yeah, I was going to say Colorado. Florida is a big one for me. Like they've yeah. been accruing, they've been accruing cap space lately. They don't, they clearly do not have a, enough cap space for them. But I think that they have the assets to kind of try and make Jeez. it work. If he goes to Florida, rest in peace to the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You have to compete one way or another. These yeah. these top teams are going to add. I I actually think Colorado, um, they've been so <laughs> I keep track of all the teams who are just barely accruing cap space. Like if you, if you start the season with $3 million in cap space and you hold it for the entire season, you've got $15 million at the deadline. So it's like, it's not even worth tracking at that point because I know they're going to have lots of like more than enough to do whatever they want. Right. And that's Colorado Um, or no, 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 no. I'm just saying in general, but um, so I, I track the six or seven teams that are, are quite close to the, the, to the upper limit and, so Colorado is on, on pace to accrue. They're going to be able to spend $3.6 million by the deadline if they keep their current roster. And earlier in the season, I thought, okay, like let's look over their roster and see what they could move out to afford Drew, right? Mm-hmm. And immediately I thought JT Comfort. Like that, it just yeah. works. The blocks just work there, right? Um, but watching some abs games, the coaches in, in Colorado love that guy. Like they'll play him on power play, penalty kill, any line. They don't, I don't think they want to get rid of him. So I, I was kind of dissuaded about the Juru talk by that. Like, especially because earlier in the season two, Colorado was linked to a goaltender. Um, I can't remember who. Well, I got but, Darcy Kemper, but. Well, Kemper wasn't playing well, right? So they were rumored to be oh. in the goalie market. And then Kemper picked it up and they yeah. kind of said, oh, like, we won't worry about this anymore. Yeah. But that makes me think, like, if they're kind of wishy-washy on their targets, like, you've got to – if you're getting Drew, that's your one-track focus. Like, that's your, oh, yeah. your – you know. So I think a guy like Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg, he makes $3.5 million and they're accruing for 3.6. I think that's a, uh, something to watch. But um, – Oh, wow. Yeah, Drew, I don't know. That's – but that's also like, are the Jets like, 
I don't know, their Jets are really good enough to go all in in a way. No, no, the Jets are giving up Cobb. Yeah, but what Drew be coming back? No, no, no. Drew, no oh. I'm saying uh, nothing to do with Drew. I'm saying oh, that, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Instead, in lieu of Drew, that Colorado's opening up just enough cap space for Andrew Cobb, and I wonder if that's the oh. play. Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, Drew, I mean, he's got to waive his, his no move, so that's going to be tough, but I wonder – so I wonder if he ends up in a double double uh, retention, but the difficulty was that with that is that he have to wait has to waive his no move clause to the first team. Like let's say for example Seattle, they want to do something with all the extra cap space they have, so they offer to be the middleman for a team. Hmm. Um, if they do that, Drew has to agree to waive to go to Seattle. Like even if it's a total handshake agreement and he knows he's just moving from one city to the next, like in a day, uh-huh. you still got to have some faith, right? And so. I don't yeah, know. It just it makes me wonder if if he Drew's not going anywhere at all, right? Oof. I but, hope so. Yeah. It's more it's more exciting when we see oh, the big time. I just want to stars move. I just want to make one last point. Speaking yep. of stars moving, Phil the thrill. How are oh. you? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, give me him. Give so me because all the he, talk about Phil, baby. <laughs> I got two points about retained salary. Like he's making six point eight right now. His, his original contract was eight million cap hit. The Leafs retained one point two on the trade to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a, any given contract, you can only have two retained salary transactions. So we talk about double retention. You can get a guy for a quarter of his cap hit. Well, Kessel's already had one of those retentions. So the the cheapest you could get him for is three point four million. Mm. I don't think the Leafs are going to swing that, but just want to put that out there. And then, Unfortunately. Yeah, Arizona, they have used two of their retained salary slots and you have a maximum of three. So that's something to keep an eye on too. Uh, if I think that they have multiple players that they're going to sell at the deadline and multiple, mm-hmm. like even more if they're willing to retain on them, like like a guy like Jay Beagle or um, who's yeah. the other guy they got from Vancouver, Roussel. Yeah. I think those could be potential targets, but if they have to choose... Well, if they can only retain on one player, they kind of got to choose which is going to give them the most value. And that's right. probably Kessel, right. right? So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Earl, I, I'd never know when we're done talking to you if I feel more dumb or smarter. So, <laughs> I think I think that means you're doing your job, though. Absolutely. I, don't know. I never know if I'm doing too much talking. No, you're good. No. You're good. You're good. No, and keep I, it going enjoy. on Twitter because I absolutely I love the tweets. I always mm. I always check them out. So yeah, when I and and I've seen Matt do it too, and I've done it. When I have like a question or like I think you did it with the why they signed Carter Hutton. Like if you just yeah, need a quick if you just need a quick answer from something, just tweet at Earl. And yeah, your yeah. your handle for people on Twitter at Earl Schwartz twenty seven. Earl Schwartz twenty seven. And those followers are just going up every day. So keep keep going on uh, Twitter, and we'll. We'll be hearing more from you there, and we'll have you back on some some time again, probably around. Yeah, this thanks, time guys. Next year. You guys are doing a great job yourselves. Appreciate thank it. You. Yeah. Right. Take care. Have thank a good you one, Earl. Huge thank you to Earl Schwartz for joining the boys on episode two fourteen. That episode, as always, brought to you by five one nine Tech Services. Your phone battery dead before the end of the day? Having to recharge it a couple times a day. Five one nine Tech Services, located in Elmira, Ontario, now offers extended capacity battery placements for most iPhones. They offer fast and affordable pairs for all makes and models of phones, tablets, computers. Diagnostic testing is always free. Visit 519techservices.ca or call Peter at 226-444-9927 to get a quote. And if you're not in the water of the region, they offer mail-in repairs too. Just fill out the form on the website and mention Chump Talk Podcast for 10% off that already super, super, super cheap bill. Mm-hmm. Poolsy, speaking about super cheap bills... 
Uh, I was just trying to do a segue. I don't or a segue. Segue. That's the word. Yep. Okay. I was trying to do a segue and what I want to talk to you about. I don't know if it's definitely going to work out, but Jill and I were having this conversation on the way to Toronto and it was something along these lines. I want to hear your thoughts on it. A little bit different topic than we're used to, but how do you, and how will you, or how much has it changed how you like view success or like how, and we'll talk about like in the workplace and we'll not like obviously chump success, big, like completely different story. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not where we want to be. We want to get there. We strive to get there with chump, but I mean, in like the workplace. And I think this is something that a lot of people have like maybe an inner battle with. I know I absolutely do. What, when you're looking for a job or you're maybe looking for a new job or whatever it is, how do you, judge if you're being successful at that job like what what does that like mean to you uh well well to me because i kind of i've had it obviously internal battles too i completely Mm -hmm. swapped up careers but yeah definitely uh my answer might have been different a couple years ago but for me and now it's definitely uh just like you go to work and you're not just like miserable the whole time You, you go to work and you're just you can enjoy yourself and yeah. obviously everyone works for one reason of getting paid, but yeah, at the same time, you know, you, you got to like 95% of people work five days a week. And I think for success for me is obviously that financials play somewhat of a factor into it. Cause you want to be able to afford a house. You want to be able to for afford sure. one sure. vacation once or twice a year and buy some, yeah. whatever, whatever you want kind of thing. But for me, the, the majority of it is just, uh, just like in, I know it's like super cliche, but enjoying what you do and, and going to work and like caring for me. Yeah. I think caring is like yeah. the biggest thing. Like when you're there, you, you want to like, you want to be good <laughs> at it. Like you want to like, cause yeah. obviously like doing something new, you don't really know what you're doing half the time and yeah, whatever. But I think for me, you, you get to a certain point where you kind of understand like, Hey, like I want to be good at this. This is what I want to do. And I think it's, it's, it's really just that day-to-day mindset. Like, yes, everyone looks forward to going home. And I absolutely started thinking about that, especially when it's, you know, mid-afternoon. It's like, ah, oh, yes, I'm home in a couple hours. But yeah. I don't know. It's it's definitely just being able to maintain a positive mindset on like a week-to-week, even day-to-day, month-to-month basis, just about what you're doing. And because you, you spend so many hours of your life, of, you know, even just like a month, a year, like so many of your hours are involved. Mm-hmm within work like your yeah. awake hours especially during the week like you go home and you're well you probably have like six hours to yourself at most before yeah. it's so you're obviously spending the majority of the day at work so i don't you know if i really food? answered that too well but i think it's just no, like you'd, you'd the mental good. state of accepting what you're doing and wanting to be like like excel at it do you still have a dream job like would you say like obviously when i was my first dream job was playing the NHL that quickly went away. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what my next dream job was. Cause they're like the, the point where you're finishing high school and like that year of grade 12 is when people really start hitting you with like, what do you want to do with your life? And that is a, like for people to have to so make young that decision, to make that decision. So, young. And, but I think it should be taught more, whether it's by teachers or whether it's by parents, I don't know. I think it should be taught more that, you don't need to know what you're doing coming out of grade 12. No. Like how old are you then? 18, 19? 
Yeah. Like when I committed to like nursing, I was 17 and I was yeah. like thinking about that even like a year or two before I that. Know. So like, and, and maybe point, like, what do, what did I know? Like nothing. It, it was just something I said, people supported yeah. it and I just rolled with it. Yeah. I still don't like, I, I, I'm 25. I just turned 25 last week. Happy birthday to me. I still don't know what I want. Like, I still don't know what I want to do or what I can will be doing obviously i like my job a lot now and and i do i really do but i mean in the last year my dream job and it's still something i think i will shoot for someday is to do something like this be in sports media like i i I don't know what that looks like or what that will look like in the in the future hopefully i mean jump talk is like that's obviously the goal but for me I think that that main thing what I talked about is like when you're just coming out of high school, I don't think you need to know what you like when people ask you, what do you want to do with your life? I don't think it's bad. I know it's not bad. And I don't think you should have to know what you want to do with your life. There's people at that point that they grew up like having a passion to be a doctor, having a passion to be a teacher or like in construction, like they're super good and they enjoy it or they want to be a firefighter, whatever it may be. And that's awesome like nothing mm-hmm. against that. You should do that. And if you want to do it the rest of your life, you should do it. And you'll probably make really good money too. But I think another thing you're taught, and I think you still hear a lot about is like, are, is your job successful as in, or are you successful as in making a certain amount of money? Like, I think everybody can live off a certain amount of money. Or I think like what you said, you do need to like everyone's, uh, like no one work if it had nothing to do with money mm-hmm. like you still oh, need yeah. to make your money so yeah. but i just like there's such like a stigma around a certain wage and like you find out your friend is doing this making this what am i doing making this here like it, it's just like that weighs on me a lot that kind of thing and i i talked to i talked to a lot of people about it too but oh, i was gonna say something else i'm totally blanking on what i wanted to say next i think it was gonna be real smart though i think it was gonna be real smart really just like statement of the day i think it was gonna be like on a quote board everywhere i think it was gonna be taught to kids in high school someday but yeah i don't Jeez. remember what it was yeah oh yeah it was gonna be wow. big. yeah i was i was gearing up for it i was like i, I was uh i don't know it's like three two count bottom of the ninth and i was about to hit home run wow yeah, but I, yeah, no, I, and I do get the just going off the financial thing. Like, I don't even know like what the average income is per year or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. And I, I definitely like it. It's hard not to compare yourself to people for sure. But the same day, I, I feel I like for myself, I live like pretty. I don't know, low key in a way. Like, I don't need much. Like, I just want to have a house. I just want to be able to travel mm-hmm. a couple times a year, buy something cool if I want it. Yeah. And I don't know for me, like whether if I make 60 K a year or 80 K a year down the road, it's, it's not like, obviously there's a huge difference there, but and I like the biggest thing for me is just supporting yeah. the means of life that I want to live, you know? And I'll I mean? play it. And, and I completely agree with you. And I'm, I'm along your line of thinking too, but I will play devil's advocate for that as people might be listening, thinking about like, can't you do more? Like, can't like, if like, don't get, complacent right because like people i think i think generations older than us i think got a lot more complacent than we get like you know you just like you get comfortable at a job you might hate your job most likely you don't like your job yeah but you're just like this is what i know so i'll do this till i'm 65 and then i'll retire and then i'm 65 and i'll travel for five years and then and then what i don't know i just like the 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 pushback that to that would be like 
it might be easy to get complacent. And I definitely fall in that sometimes too. Like there's been, I've had maybe I've had like a few job offers of things that are just right away. I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't like that. Like, so I just don't do it. Right. Mm. And I think it's more, it's like, I think a lot of it for me is like, um, scared to fail. I've always been like scared to fail at something. That's I know. I, I don't, I don't think probably I know that's like why I haven't tried more stuff in my life. Mm-hmm. because i'm just like ooh, i'm not going to be good at this and then i'm going to have to be like the new guy that's learning and like i'm scared to fail at that kind of stuff that's like i was always growing up uh trying out for teams i if i didn't think i would make a team i didn't try out because i'm like i, I don't want to be cut mm-hmm. right so that's i don't know no and that that's actually like that's a great point like it is it is totally true like and i don't even like i honestly think a majority of people would be would answer the exact same thing to that. Like mm-hmm. it totally is scary to, to try something new, especially when it's like a career thing and you're like changing to do something else or you're switching jobs, you're switching environments. Like personally, I'm, I'm not huge on change. Like even just like going back to, to work this week, I was like, ah, like I know it's good for me and I know it's what I like. I need to get back to work, but, but you got comfortable. At school. Just, like I get comfortable and like, I just hate changing routines. Like, yeah, you know, like I like to have a schedule. I like to know, you know, times and whatever. Like, I just like numbers are always in my head. Like, I just like, you know, I like to whatever be done this at a certain time and start mm-hmm. this at a certain time. And yeah, it did definitely like, yeah, it's, it's 100% true. Like it is like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I yeah. think about that too. I've, you know, I have thought about that many times. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I thought I'd bring that up on here because it was like something Jill and I were talking about and it's something I think about a lot and I want to, I want to start bringing more of like, you know, what's going on in our heads, like with you personally and me personally, I want to start bringing that more here because I think that can be something that resonates well with people. Great word. Yeah. Great Great word. word. No, and it is like a deeper conversation for stuff. But But I I think who else has these conversations? Like you didn't grow up talking about these things in school or even like maybe, maybe some parents do, maybe some parents don't, but like, I don't know. You, You don't always, sometimes it's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just... And I don't know if we necessarily gave like a solution by any means. No, and I don't no, think, but and, and the, talk, the, the, talk the, to people. The thing is the solution's different for everyone else, but I just yeah. think we can like, I don't know, hop, like be happy where you are. And if you're not happy where you are, get out of there. I'll yeah. say a quick, quick story about my first job out of college. I so quick background. I did high school and then I, uh, the year after high school, I worked at the cider mill, which you got me in there. It was a fun job, just a, a fun, good after high school job. Yeah. You just smushed apples and made cider and you, you dipped your cup in it and you, you drank cider all day. It was fun. It, it was like not a job I would have done for more than a year, but it was fun for a year. Yeah, it was good for a year. And then I went to college for a year, which I did not necessarily want to, but I did and ended up failing math. I just had a one year business uh, what certificate. Like, what is that thing going to get me? Even if I didn't fail math, but I did. And then had a huge, like hated, hated it, hated college with everything I have. Like some Even people Peter just, Tuesdays, Peter Tuesdays were fun with me and you. And who's your friend, Brian, Sean, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Sean. It was a different guy. Real oh, short Michael. Guy. Michael. Yeah, yeah. 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 Shout out Michael. Think he's listening. 
Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pita, Pita Tuesdays were fun with you. And I had every Friday off. So Thursdays we'd go for wings at, at the Heidelberg Inn and then uh, have a bunch of drinks and play Xbox super yeah. late, into the, late into the night <laughs> yeah. uh, and then sleep in Friday. So I like that, obviously. But the year of college got me nothing. And then I found a job um, because I, I wanted to do something like like sports have always kind of been my thing. Like everyone knows that. And so I was like, what can I do? Maybe that is like hard work, but it has something to do with sports. And I found a job that installs and like repairs baseball diamonds. It's mostly, it's called Marco clay. It mostly had something to do with the, the, like they made the clay there and they put the, the clay down. Um, owners, of the company, great, but there are two guys I worked with every day that by the end, I just couldn't stand or like maybe, maybe one in specific, but it was a lot of that. And I was on the road, like I was staying over in Toronto, like every week and doing that. And I was like making okay money, but I wasn't happy. Like I'd, I'd come home at like seven, some nights, like seven or seven thirty at night. And I have to leave my house at five the next morning to get back there. And I would just get home. I'd be miserable. Cause I'm like, what am I going to do? Like for this time, like there, yeah, there's nothing yeah. I want to do. So I usually would have like a few drinks and then go to bed because that's just kind of what like that's all the time you had yeah and i i liked the job but i was doing too many hours and i i wasn't happy with uh someone i was working with so i just like had to get out of there and i had to and whatever so i don't know i don't know what i'm relating that back to but it was a job that i liked but i i wasn't happy at the end of the day so if you're doing something that you're just like and it was like probably minor forms of depression for me too like i was like definitely just down in the dumps all the time and like if friends were doing something on a friday night i'm like ah, i don't really want to whatever and then the weekends were awesome but then sunday night i'd be like oh my gosh i gotta work monday and do this all over again so it it sucked for that but and it it might not be it might not have been near as bad as i'm making it sound right now but i just i, I don't know i thought i should throw that in there no, I mean, and we, I don't, this was a while ago, we talked about whatever the, the nursing thing too. And yeah, yeah when you, when you don't want to be there, you don't want to be there. And there's nothing you can do other than think about it all the time, even yeah. when you're not there. Cause you know, you're yeah. about to be back there. Yeah, exactly. And it just starts affecting other parts of your life. But um, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's start doing this. If there's something that, if there's something that's been on your mind a lot lately, bring it yeah. here and we'll talk about it and we'll see if it. Yeah. Send um, us a DM or whatever. And yeah, I'm down to talk about any topic. I was more so talking to you, but yeah. Oh yeah. People, well, anyone, if anybody has any topic you want us to talk about, like not that, not that we're going to give you anything life changing, but we'll, we'll do no, our best. We'll shoot and the we'll, shit and talk about and it. We'll have fun doing it. So uh, that's our episode for today. Huge thank you to everyone that, that stayed and listened. Give us your feedback as always. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube. We want to start doing more stuff on YouTube once we get the studio. Uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, everywhere. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know, help out the brothers. Help out the boys. And thanks for everyone who, uh, who ordered a t-shirt. We sold yes, way more than what we were expecting. So Yep, yep. Big thank you to everyone that that contributed there because that's – that's uh, it's one of our only ways to to monetize this a little bit and we we appreciate everybody that everyone that did that so and we appreciate you if you didn't we appreciate everybody we love you see you next week see you